Lord, the light of your love is shining in the midst of the darkness shining. Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me. Shine on me. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Place, Spirit, place. Set our hearts on fire. Well, a river flow. Flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth your word. Lord, and let there be light. As we gaze on your kingly brightness, so our faces display your likeness, ever-changing from glory to glory. Mirrored here, may our lives tell your story. Shine on me. Shine on me, shine, Jesus, shine, fill this land with the, the Father's glory, blaze, spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire, flow, river, flow, flood the nations, with grace and mercy, send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. Good morning, church family. It's good to be with you today. Glad that we can come together and to worship God. What a busy time of year it is. As um, have fo- folks have already mentioned, we've had a busy couple of weeks. Vacation Bible school last week, camp this week. Uh, ladies had a, an event yesterday, and men, we've got a Wings and Wisdom tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, so I hope that you'll come and be a part of all of those things. And if you are not, haven't been able to be a part of those things, I hope that you'll take the opportunity to be a, an active part of the congregation here. We're trying to uh, be better. That's our theme for this year. That's really the theme for a Christian is seeking something greater than what the world has to offer. And we do that not only through our worship on Sundays and Bible class on Wednesdays, but through all the things that we try and do and really throughout our entire life. And we hope that you will come and be a part of that. Now, Rick, you said that we had a rip-snoring good time uh, during Vacation Bible School. I wasn't sleeping during Vacation Bible School. I'm not sure what your role was. I slept pretty good afterwards, and I've had some people snore during some sermons, but hopefully we won't go uh, to sleep today. Uh, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there today. Uh, today's lesson is specifically geared towards men. Men, this one is for you. Uh, but ladies, I think that you can learn some things from it. Uh, and if you are a father, certainly you can learn some things from it. But if you're not, that's okay too. I hope that you will all, and all of us can, certainly get some things that we can apply to our lives to be better followers of Jesus. If someone were to ask you a question, who are you? What would you start with? How would you describe yourself? If someone asked you, who are you? Tell me about yourself. What would you start with? Most of us would probably not start with this idea or our first sentence would not be, well, you know, who am I? I'm loved. People love me. 
Uh, I'm, I'm a loved person. Some of us would, would really maybe even struggle, especially men sometimes, would perhaps struggle with this idea of that being uh, maybe a part of our identity at all, of being someone who is loved and, and valued and cared about uh, by the people around us. And maybe, maybe not so much for us as Christians, but certainly men in the world struggle with that, with this personal value and this recognition of, am I loved? Do people love me? Do people care about me? I looked at a number of studies several months ago in preparation for a lesson when I I did this lesson previously, and it came down to to three basic things. That men need three basic things in order to feel loved. First of all, they need affection. Secondly, they need support. And thirdly, they need loyalty. Affection, support, and loyalty. Now, affection looks something like this. Certainly for those of us who are married with our spouses, intimacy uh, is some sort of affection. But, but there's, there's, uh, there's affection that many even share together. Maybe it's a, a fist bump or a handshake or a, a man hug. You know, it's not one of those sissy hugs. It's a man hug. That can be affection. That can be things like that. Support is things like praise and gratitude and words of affirmation. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that's one of the ways that I feel love when people uh, give me support in, in, in those types of ways. And then the third one is loyalty. And loyalty is maybe a mixture of both of them, uh, that you, you feel this affection and you feel this support, but it's not so much the what, instead it's the when. Loyalty is, yes, you have people that love you and support you and care about you during the good times, but loyalty is you have that same care, you have those same people in your life, even during the bad times. Men, if I were to put those things together, and again, I think, ladies, I hope you're paying attention because you can learn from this too. Maybe it'll be helpful with your relationship with your husbands or your dads or your brothers or other people in your life, but I think it will be true for you too. If I were to, to break those things down even to just one word, affection, support, and loyalty, I would say men feel like they're loved when they are valued. Men feel like they're loved when they are valued. Now, our culture today, and really for a long time, probably has almost drilled into us that our, our value, even things like report cards in school and bonuses or promotion at work, uh, they've drilled into us, our culture has drilled into us that our value is tied to how good we are at something. It's tied to our performance record. And, and certainly there's, there's a danger there, right? Because we can, even when we're successful, we can say, hey, look at what I did. You should love me. Look at the things that I've accomplished. Look at how good I am at this. Or look at how good I am at that. And we could say, you should love me because I'm good at these types of things. Scripture warns us about that kind of idea. In James chapter 4, if you want to turn there, that's on page 1013 of the Pew Bible. James chapter 4, 1013, uh, starting in verse 6, he warns us about being arrogant. It says in verse 6, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Be subject, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then you go down to verse 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. So this idea of of an identity, and I don't think it's just true for men. I think certainly in today's culture, it's true for women. It's true for fathers and mothers. It's true for uh, young people and old people that sometimes we we tie our value, how we look at ourselves even, how we think about, am I valued? Am I, am I any good at anything? Exactly by that. How good am I at something? Or if I'm not good at something, we struggle with, am I worth anything? And so when we're successful, we tend to encourage people, hey, look at what I did. Look at the things that I'm able to accomplish. You should love me. And James warns us about those types of arrogant attitudes. We can all be there sometimes. 
I've been arrogant before, you've been arrogant before. When we have these arrogant attitudes, we're exalting ourselves and that's not our job. Our job is to humble ourselves before the Lord and let him to exalt us at the proper time. On the flip side of that, we have these times where we perhaps we fail or there's difficulty in our lives. And, and, and men especially, perhaps, some men, maybe some women as well, but when we struggle, when we have difficulty, uh, sometimes we can be overwhelmed. And we can almost be uh, frozen by this, this sense of being overwhelmed by failure or anxiety or difficulty or whatever it is. And, and we see examples of people like that in the Bible. Uh, the prophet Elijah deals with this in the, the book of First Kings. When he uh, goes before uh, the, the prophets of Baal uh, on Mount Carmel and he wins this tremendous victory. I don't know that you can imagine during his time a greater victory to have been won. And he goes literally from the mountaintop to the, the highest of high. And then just a few chapters later, just a few verses later really, and certainly just a few moments later, his life is threatened by the king or the queen and he runs away and he's terrified. He, like you and I sometimes, experiences the highest high, and then very shortly after, he experiences the lowest low. What's his conclusion when, he, when he's feeling so bad, when he's so overwhelmed? He says to God, God, I'd rather not be alive. God, just take me now. And just, just a few moments, days perhaps earlier, he had defeated hundreds of false prophets, and now he's at the lowest of lows. Most of us, men or women, I don't think that we generally exist on, on those highest of highs or those lowest of lows. Sometimes we're somewhere in the middle. And that sounds good. It sounds good. Okay, we're somewhere in the middle. That means we're balanced, right? But I don't, I don't know that in our culture today, and, and I'm hoping for us as Christians this isn't true, but in our culture today, I don't think that people in the middle are really balanced. I think they're just bouncing back and forth between highs and lows. We have this really high highs and things are great. And then something happens, something messes up. We fail, something out of our, circum- our, our hands uh, happens to us in circumstance. And, and we hit that low and we're just up and down and up and down. And, and you can imagine the anxiety and the worry and the depression and the, all of the mental stress that would come from bouncing back and forth with things like that. And when we do that, we struggle in our evaluation of personal value. How do I feel about myself? How do I, am I a success? Am I a failure? And when we think that about ourselves, what does that do? Well, it affects our relationship with other people, doesn't it? If I can't be confident in who I am and feel good about who I am, then I'm going to have a a hard time feeling confident about who you are and feeling good about who you are. And I'm going to have a hard time feeling about how, how can God feel good about me? This morning, what I want us to very briefly consider is that we need to, men, women, or children, we need to adjust the authority of our appraisal. I want you this morning, I want to challenge you this morning to change how you think about yourself by changing who you allow to say you're worth something or not worth something. Kyle Eidemann, in his book, Not a Fan, tells a story of a white living room. Now, That already sounds scary to me. I have a six-year-old, a nine-year-old, a white living room. I'm assuming this white living room, the the walls were painted white, and and I know they had a white carpet, he describes it, and even says that his his wife goes, and I don't know if it was Facebook Marketplace or a brand new, but she finds a a white couch. None of this makes sense to me. Does any of that make sense to you? Uh, And they had children. None none of this sounds like any kind of a good idea. 
And one day she's in her white living room with her white walls and her white carpet and her white couch and she's cleaning. And I, I don't know, this, this sounds like one of those rooms that, that maybe you had uh, uh, growing up that some folks had uh, in times past a, a formal living room. You remember those? Nobody really goes to the formal living room unless you're having guests over, right? It's the room that's, that's always immaculate. It's the room that's always in shape. Now, and, and when people knock on the door and, and you're not expecting them, well, you'll take them to the formal living room because that's the clean room. You don't want them to see the rest of the house that's been lived in, right? Some people used to have that kind of room. Maybe you have that room. I think that's when I think about this white room, surely that had to be their formal living room where they had guests over and that sort of thing. And maybe in preparation for having guests, his wife is, is cleaning the room. In the midst of doing so, uh, she's flipping over the uh, couch cushions, maybe vacuuming the cushions or something along those lines, and she finds a bright neon pink nail polish stain on this white couch. And so she, she tells Kyle, his, her husband, and, and he says, okay, well, we've got to figure out what happened here. And they, they call the children in. They have three daughters. Call the children in and they sit them down. And, and you know, they're, they're going to get to the bottom of this and figure out, okay, what, what happened here? And right before he is able to, right before as he's even reaching uh, to flip over this uh, couch cushion to show the girls, hey, who did this? His youngest daughter, Morgan, runs out of the room. Uh, and she runs upstairs to her bedroom and Kyle follows after her and says, hey, Morgan, wait a second, we've got, we've got to talk. And she's, she's trying to, to calm her down and, and get her attention, and, and, but she's not interested and she's already bawling and, and crying. And finally, he finds her in her, her bedroom closet and she's down in the floor uh, just, just weeping. And he's trying to calm her down and say, hey, Morgan, let's, let's talk about this. What's, what's going on? Hey, it's okay. And, you know, he is trying to de-escalate the situation that she has escalated extremely much. And eventually, as she's still crying through the midst of her tears, she's able to calm down enough. And she looks out as she's down on the floor of her closet. She looks at her father and she says, Daddy, do you still love me? Now, we as fathers... No, that's a ridiculous question, right? Of course. Of course he still loved her. Of course he still cared about her. But she felt because she had failed, she had done something that she knew she wasn't supposed to do. She had taken that nail polish into that room that no one's supposed to go into and she had made a mistake and and made a stain on this white couch and it was, you're never going to get that pink nail polish out of the white couch. She thought, there's no way that my mom and dad will love me. That's why she had hidden it away as best she could. Have you ever been that way with God? Have you ever been that way with God? Maybe you failed Maybe you've done something that, that you don't feel like you could ever remove, remove that stain from your life. Maybe you feel like there's no way that God could love me. Maybe you know what Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and maybe you've been there in your life. God, don't you know? Don't you know the things I've done? Because God, I know the things I've done. I know the people I've hurt. I know the things that nobody else knows about that I know. And God... I know you know those things. God, do you still love me? Maybe you know Romans 6, 23, the, the wages of sin is death. God, if you, if you found out about this, I'm trying to hide this. I'm trying not to talk about it. I'm trying to make sure no one knows about it because God, if you knew about it, and God, I know you know about it, but if you knew about it, how could you love me? Because what I deserve because of my sin is death. God, that's what your word has told me. God, how could you love me? Do you love me anymore, Father? And of course, like we said, that's a ridiculous question, isn't it? 
Just as, as, as ridiculous as it was for Morgan to ask her father, do you still love me? And she legitimately thought as she's bawling her eyes out, hiding in the bottom of her closet, that maybe her mom and dad didn't love her anymore. It's, that's a ridiculous question. And for us today, it would be just as ridiculous for us to ask God, in spite of whatever you've done, do you still love me? Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 942. Romans chapter 5. Let's read verses 6 through about verse 11. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Again, God, God, you know that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory. That You've told me that in Romans chapter 3. God, God I know you, you've taught me and you've told me in Romans chapter 6 that, that what I deserve because of my sin is death. But praise God for in the middle of those two passages, we find Romans chapter 5. Verses 6 through 11. It says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would even dare to die. But God, he demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. More than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. I've shared this with you before, but notice there's, there's four words that are extremely important during, in that passage. Notice all, first of all, that we're ungodly, and that we're weak, and that we're sinners. And ungodly, weak sinners become enemies of God. And in that state, at the right time, Christ died for us. It's powerful. Again, look at verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time. See, the right time was when we were weak. The right time was when we were ungodly. The right time was when we were sinners. The right time, in fact, the only time that Christ could have died for us to save us from our sins is while we were his enemies. God, do you still love me? Child, I loved you so much that I sent my son to die for you. That whoever believes in me should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, child, I love you. And then in verse 11, I think we've shared this before, but it says, and not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Have your child ever done something for you, parents, and you, you were just proud of them? They were really impressive. Maybe it was on the ball field, or maybe it was a, a debate, or, or something. Maybe it was in the band. Whatever it was, you were impressed by them, and there were other people around you who said, Look at my child. Look at what she did. Look at what he did. Isn't that awesome? And, and you, you're proud of them, and, and you, you boast about them a little bit. But verse 11 says, We boast in God. Look at what God did while we were enemies, because we were Weak, helpless sinners. Look at what God did. He died for us. So as today, this morning, wherever you might be in your spiritual life, maybe you're in the bottom of that closet and you've got some things that, that you've hidden away, and, and, but you know because you know who God is that he knows the things that you have done. And you would ask this question, maybe not verbally, but perhaps emotionally at the very least, you would say, God, do you love me? God, maybe you would say like this, God, how could you love me? You know the things that I've done. You know the way that I lived my life. God would say, yes. Yes, child, I love you. 
Again, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and we know that and we recognize that. But I want, I want to, to remind you as we think about that, even despite that, God still loves you. It's true that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it's true that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's true that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the good news is that despite the fact that all of us have sinned and despite that the things that we deserve because of that sin is death, Romans 3 and Romans 6, the good news is it was in that state at the right time, the only time Christ died for us. You see, this morning as we think about especially for men perhaps, even though we're recognized and appreciated as fathers on this day, am I love, we, we can boldly claim this as the Christian. I am loved not because of what I can offer to God, but I offer to God what I can because I'm loved. Again, our, our life is lived as a response to whom God is. A couple days ago on Friday, uh, Lena and I and, and the kids, we went to uh, Frozen Head State Park over near Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Uh, and we went on a hike and, and that sort of thing. And, and we had been there before, but Benjamin was very young then, barely walking, uh, so he was easy to keep up with. He's six now. He's not nearly as easy to keep up with anymore, and he wants to run around and jump around and slip and slide and all of the things. And it's a very low waterfall. The waterfall itself is eight to ten feet, something along those. So, of course... Me not even thinking about this, but I should have. Of course, he's six. He wants to get into the waterfall. There's not a lot of water falling. It's not, not, very, uh, not a lot of water flowing, but he wants to get up and, and behind it. And, and, and I know waterfalls. I've spent some time around waterfalls like you have probably. And, and you know that there's algae and it, it's slippery. The rocks around a waterfall are extremely slippery. So as I'm going around and he's running around trying to get here and there, I'm constantly, hey, be careful, hey, get down low, hey, be careful, hey, don't fall, hey, you're going to bust your head open. All of these things that a dad does. Does God do that for us? You think God looks down from heaven and says, hey, be careful, hey, don't go there, hey, don't hang out with those people, hey, you're going to fall, hey, you're going to slip, hey, you're going to bust your spiritual head open. I imagine he does. I imagine he does. Because I know that he loves us. This morning, I I don't know where you're at in your relationship with your earthly father. I hope that it's great. But I know that it's not always great. This morning, I, I want to make sure that you absolutely know that you have a heavenly father who loves you like crazy. Who loved you enough to send his son, our brother, the Christ, the son of the living God, to this earth, to live a perfect life, die a horrible death, and resurrect from the grave, giving us the hope of eternal life and victory over death. This morning, uh, recognize and understand that if you look to the world for appreciation, if you look to the world for recognition, if you look to the world for value, you'll get it sometimes, and you'll have some pretty high highs, and sometimes you won't get it at all, and you'll have some really low lows. Now, what we do matters, and, and how we try to, to achieve things for the Lord and follow in, the, in Jesus' footsteps matters, but the love of God for us never changes. He loves you constantly, in your best and at your worst. And this morning, I want you to know that, that we are a, a group of people, I, I would dare say a family of people that are imperfect, and we don't always do it right individually, we don't always do it right for each other, but we're striving to follow 
Jesus. And if you're doing that and you're going through some tough times, we want you to know. I want you to know that we care about you and we love you. And we want to help you however we can. And part of that is holding you accountable and holding you to, to God's standard, not Andy's standard, not anybody else's standard, but God's standard. And if you need help with that, we, in, in a moment Steve's going to come and lead us in a song and, and we'll all stand up and you'll have the opportunity to come down and let me know or some of our shepherds know uh, what's going on in your life and we'll pray for you. Uh, but, but even, and, and we, we would love to do that. So if that's your need this morning, we would make sure that you want, we want you to know we want you to come. But if you're not a Christian this morning, uh, the scripture teaches us that if you believe that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God, if you'll name him as the Lord of your life, if you'll submit to baptism where all of your sins are washed away, then you can become a child of God. Now, he's already your creator, and he's really the Lord of all creation. The question is, is he the Lord of your life, and are you a child of God according to his spirit? If you want to know more about that, if you're ready to put Christ on in baptism this morning, we're ready to help you in that way. Uh, Happy Father's Day. Men, we have a tremendous responsibility and opportunity in whatever role we fulfill in this life, whether as fathers or not. Ladies, your Father in heaven loves you like crazy. Let's live for him today. And if you need anything to help you along the way, we invite you to come and let us know that as we stand and sing.